0: Today we're going to be talking about what I call the 9 to 5 conspiracy. I'm not the first to talk about this by any means. We're going to be exploring whether or not working a 40 hour a week job is a legitimate use of your time, or if you've been conned, like many billions of others, into doing something that's not only pointless but harmful. This is Brojo Online. Masculinity confidence and integrity so basically the the premise i'm going to be trying to get across here is that working is for suckers okay the classic idea of working is for suckers that it's actually a very modern form of slavery and it's a heart and mind kind of slavery there are no chains that you can see But your beliefs and your fears act as effectively as chains. And if you think about it, if we go back to, say, slavery in the United States uh, 150 years ago, or whatever it was, most of the time they weren't actually chained up. They were working in the fields and so on. They could have run away, but it was their fear that kept them there. Now, the fear was actually based on physical threat. And these days, the physical threat is not so obvious or uh, coercive. But the fear is the same the reason you keep plodding back to that job that you don't really like and you certainly wouldn't do if you had a big inheritance or something like that, the chains are there. I want to start by asking you some key questions based on some very factual data that I want you to just start considering. One is something that uh, was first published to my awareness in Tim Ferriss' book, The 4-Hour Workweek. A study was done, self-report study, where people surveyed and given... Uh, Asked to give the impression of how productive they were. How many hours per workday were they actually doing shit that mattered, that was beneficial to the company? Those kinds of questions were asked. And the average came out as less than four. So less than half the time that a person sits at their workplace, or stands, do they feel that they're doing something that's actually productive. So you've got to wonder, why do companies keep people on these nine-to-five contracts... When this and many other pieces of evidence show that time served does not equal productivity. That a person doing their full hours per week doesn't mean that they're actually benefiting the company. Certainly not for all those hours. Why do we keep making work the serious hard thing to do when the studies clearly show that people who are being creative and having fun get better results than people who are working hard and being serious? Now that's a myth that being serious You know, that putting yourself under pressure and stress gets things done. It's actually resistance to getting things done. Why, and and this is obvious to anybody now with COVID, why is it that we have to go into the office and spend hours a day commuting, wasted hours just sitting in traffic, when we can clearly work from home in nearly all professions that don't require hands-on touching of, you know, like surgeons or tradesmen. Anything else that's based on a computer or voice can be done from home. So why do we still come into the office? Why do we have open plans in the office when the research clearly shows that that just increases stress and anxiety levels in the office and doesn't actually increase productivity? Why do we have employment contracts that bind you to a company when freelancing and contracting not only works even better, uh, but protects you from redundancy? An Employment contract does not protect you from getting fired unexpectedly it does not protect you from redundancy it does not protect you from the company crashing down so it's clearly not a protective document and yet we treat it as like we need this for our protection and really it's just chains binding us to one company it's putting all our eggs in one basket income wise we need this company to do well or we're fucked that's what our employment contract does whereas a freelancer goes well if that company sucks i move to another one problem solved an employee can't do that Employee contracts often say you cannot have conflict of interest. You can't work for another similar company at the same time. So they actually prevent you from risk management with your income. Why do we work until we're 65 and retire at our weakest physical stage of life? Where we're too feeble and tired and mentally run down to actually enjoy our free time. Why is it the studies clearly show that retirement itself is the quickest accelerant towards death, that people die quickly once they retire. Why do we keep following that model when we've got all the rest of our life to enjoy things? Why do we wait till the end when we can't really do it anymore? These are the questions I want you to ask yourself. They're certainly the questions I ask myself. Because the biggest question is, why do we keep doing a 9-to-5, 40-hour work week in general when the data, the science, clearly shows us that this is not the optimal way to live—it's not even a good way to live. It's a miserable way to live, and it's not even good for companies. So, why do we do it? I've switched. I was an employee for for much of my life, and then I switched to running my own business. And I'm not going to do some big thing where I work on a beach, you know, with my laptop and and do that whole song and dance because that's horseshit. Entrepreneurship's still fucking hard, right? It's still hard work, but there are some key differences that mean I'll never go back to being an employee unless I'm in some predicament that forces me to. And I really can't imagine a predicament that forces me to consider working for someone else over working for myself. Here's some of the difference. One is I do what I feel like at any given time. I don't have set hours. I don't even really have a set structure. I have a sort of a to-do list, but I decide what and when I do those things. I basically get to choose. Now that doesn't mean I do whatever's pleasurable all the time. Some of my work is hard and difficult. Some of it's even boring. I still got to do my taxes, you know, I don't enjoy doing that. But I get to decide when I do it. And I get to decide what I do and what I delegate and pay someone else to do. And I get to decide the priority of stuff. You know, I get to carefully figure out what actually matters in my job. And I never have to do more than that. When, when I was an employee, I had to do stuff that I knew was pointless. It's one of the main reasons I switched in my previous job is that, like, half my work week was taken up with this admin bullshit stuff that I knew did not contribute. It was just eating up my time. And yet, you know, I worked for a government agency, so the bureaucracy of that, like, forced me to do all the stuff that didn't help anything. It didn't reduce reoffending at all. Whereas in my job, if what I'm doing does not help people or isn't absolutely necessary for the legal requirements of running a business, I don't have to do it. I won't do it. You don't get that as an employee. Any employee listening to this, some part of your job, you know, you're forced to do it and it feels pointless. And you're like, why do I do this? But the manager made you do it or the company made you do it. Now, there's the bits that people actually are scared of when they're an employee. I have to find my own clients. I have to find my own work. I have to understand and be careful with money. Right? I can't be reckless with my spending. I have to manage my company's budget as well as my own personally. I have to decide how much I pay myself and I have to change that amount depending on how well the business is doing. And I don't have the work just land in my lap. I go and find it and create it myself. Most employees don't have to do that. Nearly all employees don't have to do that bit. They don't have to hunt for their food. They just have to eat what they're given. I have to manage my taxes actively. Very few employees manage their own taxes depending on what country you're listening from here. But very few don't have their taxes just automatically taken out of their paycheck most of it's done for them they don't even really think about it they don't calculate it to see if it's correct or anything i have to calculate all of it i have to make sure i'm not committing fraud you know there's an active part there a lot of people are scared of doing i was scared of doing it still am to some extent i only walk work about four hours a day on average four hours a day for a full-time income that provides for my wife and child and myself and they don't work obviously Four hours a day with no commute. I work from home. I used to work nine hours a day with a one hour to two hour commute. So I'm working less than half. And only doing really 75% of the time at least I'm doing stuff I enjoy. And would do for free. In fact, kind of do do it for free. Because I get paid in this weird way where the stuff I do. Like right now I'm not getting paid per minute for doing this. But it may create clients for me later. But basically I'm doing this for free might be that nobody even listens to this. I don't really have a concept of weekends or vacations. Like I'll travel but I'll still have clients while I travel. But I have lots of time off during the day so I have a little vacation every day you might say. It's a bit different having a child now but that's the gist. I enjoy my work. I wouldn't quit for money. You give me a million dollars, I might have a little holiday just to celebrate but then I'll be back into coaching. How many of you would keep working after a million dollar paycheck? Or at least keep working for healthy reasons because you love the job right some of you would keep working just because it's your identity you're like without this job i don't know who i am and that's what kills a lot of people in retirement they lose their identity with their job but very few of you would keep working as an employee because it's the best thing you could think of doing with your time even if you did it for free almost none of you right really the slavery is made out of a paycheck and the fears we have around paychecks. So let's dial back the clock. There didn't used to be 40 hour work weeks, did there? We dial back a few hundred, few thousand years. What do we have? We have slavery. That's how work used to get done, slavery. Not including cooperative villages and so on. Before currency existed, there was just slavery. And eventually, you know, depending on which part of the world we're looking at, that migrated towards serfdom. Which is kind of slavery, like, makes it look like you have a choice, but you'll still get executed for even minor um, stepping outside of your class range, you know. And you had to pay taxes. Big taxes in some cases. There's still a class system where you're born into a thing that you can't get out of. And if that isn't slavery, I don't know what is. Slavery eventually, in the industrial era, era migrated towards very back-breaking wage employment. Long strenuous hours, uh, for very small paychecks, and still heavily taxed. And then the communist movement shook things up a little bit. By the way, I'm not pro communism. I think communism's a fucking stupid, unrealistic idea. But nonetheless, when you know Karl Marx wrote the Communist Manifesto, he basically threatened the capitalist. Business owners. He said, you know, the workers are going to rise up. These conditions are shit. We've had enough. And what he kind of didn't realize, <clears> or <throat> this is my interpretation through Yavul Harari's book, uh, Sapiens. What he didn't realize is that the capitalists read this and go, you know what, that is a genuine threat. How do we mitigate that threat? And they mitigated it by reducing work hours, slightly increasing working conditions and rights for workers. And everyone went, yay, we got what we wanted. Without realizing, they just changed the nature of the, sh- of the chains. right? It was, I think it was Henry Ford who really kind of bought out the 40-hour work week as an idea uh, in the United States. And all he really did was formalize slavery in a way where the slaves went, yeah, that's good enough for us. And that's the model that we're still following today. That was a very long time ago, Henry Ford. We're still following that model today. Part of that model was the week to weekend ratio. You know, you work five days a week. Many of you, of course, it's more like six, sometimes even seven. And you get two days off. Perfect combination to make sure that you get heaps done. That you're very beneficial financially for the company you work for. But not working so hard that you decide to do an uprising. That you call your union and your stage a revolution. You can see when unions go on strike it's the, the employee got the balance wrong. They they work the the workers just a bit too hard and made them actually angry enough to do something. You know, if they're smart, they'd just dial it down a bit and the people would stay quiet. Or just raise the pay a little bit and the people stay quiet. You see this with nurses all the time. Nurses have to work horrific hours and often quite brutal conditions, usually understaffed. And every now and then they finally snap and go on strike and they get like a 0.35% pay rise and they quieten down a little bit. You know, the slaves are put back in their chains and everyone's happy. But that, that week to weekend ratio is perfect because you have just enough time off to not burn out before you've been, you know, used up for your usefulness, but you don't have enough time off to really think. This is what Marx is really talking about is, and a lot of philosophers have talked about this is. If you give people enough time to think, they start to go, this is bullshit. And you don't want them to have that much time to think. So you not only give them the weekend off, you create a culture around how they should spend that weekend that ensures that very little thinking gets done. Chores, church, drinking alcohol, gambling, you make sure that weekend is packed full of mind-numbing activity. And yet the workers thank you for it as time off. And you see why I think of this as a conspiracy. You see where I'm going with this, right? So that's kind of the the background we're working in here. If you're an employee, classic nine to five employee, you're getting paid very little to produce a lot. The majority of what you produce is taken by the company as profits. Let's say you get paid $20 an hour. There's a good chance you're worth 100 to $200 an hour, but you're only getting a fraction of that percentage for yourself. The claim that the company invented the systems that you use is their kind of a rationale for taking most of your money. You have just enough time off that you don't crash and burn before you're elderly. You know, just enough vacations, just enough weekends to sustain this productivity and to lock into a kind of mindless ongoing slavery that you can keep pumping out those hours. But not enough time off to go, you know what? is this really the best way to spend my life? You know, they want you to they want you to ask that question but after you're 65. Right? They want you to be on your deathbed going, "Fuck, I can't believe I did that for a job. What a waste of life." They don't want you doing that while you're at the job, right? So they don't give you enough time off to think about that quite just yet. And some companies will have little cultural things, you know, we have pizza night on a Friday or we have team building days or you know, everybody gets to not wear a suit on a Thursday. And you think, man, this is so much fun. This is such a nice place to work. And you don't ask the question, would I work here for free? And the answer is, fuck no. Which tells you how you really feel about the workplace, no matter how good your boss is and how much pizza you get on a Friday. you know. And they give you little bonuses now and then, and little pay rises. And I do mean little. And you think, fuck, I'm moving up. I should stay with them a bit longer. And the whole time, you're getting paid tip of the iceberg to what you're making for them except in government agencies, which I'll talk about later, or non-profits. One of the the classic limiting beliefs here is this idea that the company actually cares about you. And one of the things I want you to ask ask yourself is, what is a company? Really, when you say, my company cares about me, what are you referring to? What is the entity you're talking about here? Do you think of a company as the group of people who work there? Because that keeps changing, so it's not that. What is the company? If you work for Ford Motors, for example, Henry Ford is dead. You're not working for Henry anymore. So who are you working for? Why is it still called Ford? Who is the the entity that cares about you in the so-called company? Do you think of the company itself like an entity, like a god that's benevolently watching over you? Well, I'll tell you what a company is or a corporation is. It really comes down to a single piece of paper. That's all it is. A legal document of incorporation. I've got one for my business. You might think I'm my company, but I'm not. Especially not because I'm I'm a limited liability company. The company's called the Inspirational Lifestyle, and that's on a piece of paper. Silly name for a company, but you know. I started this quite naive and can't change it now. There's a piece of paper that says it's a company. There's another piece of paper that says I'm the director, but that's a different piece of paper. The company itself is on its own piece of paper with no human names attached to it. It's just this thing by itself, this devoid of humanity thing. And I was having this, I've been going back and forth with one of my clients about this who just left the corporate scene making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year to to live in a van and do whatever the fuck he wants all the time. You know, play music and do yoga and travel the world travel country at least you know and he's starting to see this conspiracy as as well as i am and he made a good point is that corporations behave like psychopaths companies behave like psychopaths and he's absolutely right because a company has no humanity a company is just a piece of paper a company is essentially a set of rules illegal rules right and these legal rules they don't have feelings They don't have exceptions. They don't look at things on a case-by-case basis. They don't care. They can't. They're just concepts. Concepts can't care about something. It's one of the things that always impressed me with lawyers. I used to witness lawyers in court quite often is how they just turn off their humanity and become all about the rules. And, you know, I could see a guy who clearly murdered his wife get a not guilty conviction. Because of legal technicalities. Now everyone in the room is going that guy definitely killed his wife. But the law says well he couldn't prove it exactly. So off he goes to do it again. You know that's that's the law. The law is psychopathic. It only cares about the rules. It's like what scares me about artificial intelligence. Is in the end it just makes the best efficient decision according to the rules. And if that hurts people it doesn't care. That doesn't even slow it down a little bit. So corporations follow these rules there's two sets of rules they follow one is the legal rules that they have to follow and the other is the rules required to make the most profits and neither of those rules incorporate compassion for humanity All right? I'm not saying that's a bad thing what I'm saying if you think your company cares about you you're a fucking idiot I'm sorry to say I was one for a long time your boss might be really caring towards you, but he's not the company, right? The company is above him, bigger than him. If the company decides that you've got to go, the boss can't protect you from the company. The company's stronger than any one person in it, including the person who invented the company. Once the company is created, it's stronger than the inventor, like, I've got my own company. But because of the legal rules and everything, if I somehow break the law, the company will put me in jail, even though my baby will kill me if I break the rules. You know, if I'm not profitable, the company will make me bankrupt. The company I created still doesn't care about me. So what do you think it cares about you as an employee? It doesn't give a fuck about you. All it cares about is your ability to enable it to live by the rules. Do you make sure that it lives by the legal rules? And do you make a profit? Do you contribute to the profit? Because if the company catches you not doing that, you're in trouble. Now, some people fly under the radar. They're very useless in the company. The company doesn't notice them. But when the company gets squeezed for money, it will notice you. You can't fly under the radar forever. I should point out any government organizations aren't companies designated towards profit but they are they do have their own kind of profit it's not financial it's public approval so if you work for a government agency if something you do is deemed to be disapproved of by the public and less likely to help their government and power get the next vote then you get treated as unprofitable okay and i've seen this i used to work in department of corrections and certain people just got hung out to dry for the media every time we fucked up that person who like got us disapproval when the media would choose a scapegoat usually and they'd just get destroyed by the media and lose their job and we'd keep going on being inefficient you know so you've got to understand this is what capitalism really is this is what communists have a problem with around capitalism is capitalism is just a psychopathic entity concept you're an asset until you're a liability profit is what matters the rules are all geared towards maximum profit minimum cost it's just a consumption profit generating machine there's no good or evil here it's neutral it's just like artificial intelligence it just follows the rules it can't help itself it doesn't have a choice it doesn't have compassion it's not conscientious i don't mean like a psychopath like somebody who skins people and you know eats children i just mean somebody has no conscience somebody who is entirely about results somebody who follows rituals and rules regardless of the cost. And you gotta understand, as a company functions, you are its biggest cost. I know that even being a company of one, my finances make it very clear that the easiest way to save money for my business is to pay myself less as an employee of my own business. Nothing else I spend money on comes even close to how much it costs to pay me. And not only have I heard this from many other business leaders around the world, but also people I know personally who run businesses, I don't think there is a business on the planet whose biggest cost is not personnel. So when it comes time for a company to increase its profit by reducing its cost, when it's hit the limit of how else it can increase its profit and now needs to reduce its cost, the first place a company looks is its employees. And this is where we have redundancies and cutbacks. The number one way for a business to stay alive when it's threatened is to cut off its own legs. So while you're sitting there thinking that the company cares about you, that there's some longevity to your career because your boss is nice to you or even his boss thinks you're a real asset, you've got to understand the company's waiting until the profits drop and then it's going to look at you and go, Are you worth keeping? And that's going to be a financial decision. It's not going to be a human decision, it's not going to be a compassionate decision. It's not going to be like, do we like this guy? Oh, he's got a family to feed, you know. Or his Mum's dying of cancer, he needs some support right now. It's just going to be like, right now, how much is he worth compared to how much does he cost? And if that number's not good enough, you're out. That's it. Regardless of your circumstances, there's no compassion for you there. Very few companies have employees at the top, like boards of directors or whomever, who are willing to break the rules of capitalism. To support their employees. That happens occasionally. But happens so occasionally that it makes the news. I saw it the other day. A CEO of some company. You know decided not to pay himself a bonus. And cut his salary. In order to help his employees through COVID. Why did that make the news? Because that never fucking happens. Every other company. The board of directors go. I'm not losing a dollar out of my bonus. Fire the fucking janitor. We'll just make the uh, the secretary clean up. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed how you ever been in a workplace? Almost all of you listening will. If you been in a workplace, somebody gets fired or they leave and they just don't get replaced. And their work just kind of spreads out to everybody. And you just feel that extra weight on your shoulders. And the company goes, you know what? These fuckers will do it. Why do I need someone else? Let's save that cash. I saw this so much in government agencies. What blows my mind two areas of government that are always understaffed medical care nursing and prisons and i can't think of two places that need to be fully staffed more than those two an understaffed prison is one of the most dangerous places on earth for a human being to work and an understaffed hospital is one of the most dangerous things for society right And yet they are constantly understaffed. And as I worked, I could see it from the inside with Department of Corrections. I don't know nursing that well, but I have nurses as friends that told me various things. But in Corrections, I just kept looking at it going like, there's plenty of people who want this work. You know, being a prison guard, it's not fucking pretty work, but you don't need qualifications for it. So it's kind of high demand. There's a lot of people out there who would rather work as a prison guard than work in forestry or whatever it is that they're doing. And yet those positions were just never fucking filled. And when, you know, the sick leave was never kind of uh, counted in to staffing. You know, so there's always people sick and that was never covered. So it was always understaffed. And as a result, you know, the cultures became quite authoritative and quite disruptive to the concept of reducing reoffending. Understaffed prisons basically create more offenders. That's a simpler way to put it that's factually accurate. I was like, well, why... Is this not happening? That's because it didn't need to happen to get the vote. That's why. It's because no government needed to staff prisons or the nursing sectors fully in order to win the election. So they just don't. If they did need it, they would. right? You'll notice governments will spend exorbitant amounts of money on ridiculous things that might get the vote. You know, changing the flag. I remember that one. What a ridiculous one that was, right? you got to understand... A company is basically a pyramid scheme. Money runs up, shit runs down. Okay, the people at the top make the most, the people at the bottom make the least, but the effort ratio doesn't match that. You know, in almost any company, the people on the front coalface, the people down there, are doing the most physically and mentally strenuous labour, and the people at the top, they might still be working long hours and stuff, but they do so in comparative luxury. And with much more respect and easygoingness, I remember as I moved up through corrections, how much nicer the environment around me got and how much happier the people got as I moved up. Down the bottom, everyone was miserable, complaining all the time. Once I got into the executive suite, you know, it was all jokes and laughter and shared lunches and big breaks and, you know, people just mulling around and socializing. And I was just like, fuck, we're getting paid three times as much to have three times as much fun. This doesn't make any sense. So that's what you're working for and if you haven't asked yourself why am i allowing myself to engage in the system you need to start asking because odds are if you're listening to this you're one of the ones in the bottom of the pyramid getting shit on or you're one of the ones in the middle of the pyramid who thinks he's got a good deal but has no idea how shit it is compared to the people at the top no idea besides this you've got what happens outside of work and the conspiracy doesn't end there because then we have the culture of consumerism which i think it's fair to say is now global. What is cultural consumerism very simple spend your money as quickly as possible get rid of it replace it with stuff activities doesn't matter what you replace it with but make sure your bank account's always empty so you always got to go back to work that's consumerism and you see this combined with everything i've talked about with the sort of 40 hour work week set of rules slavery doesn't it this is chains if you run out of money you got to go back to work. You've got to. How is that not slavery if you have to go back to work? If your fear from all that money that you just spent compels you, what choice do you have? You're often encouraged to rack up debt. The most, I think, prevalent form of this is credit cards and mortgages. You notice you're never encouraged to try and save up all the money for a house or you know use investments to build up that money they say no just go go for a mortgage just spend your money fucking now when spend money you don't have now in credit cards the legal restrictions on credit card companies are minimal to none why is that why are they allowed to be like professional loan sharks who really fuck you up we get given credit cards and yet in high school in primary school the you know, Because right after high school you can get credit cards. But in high school and primary school there is absolutely zero financial education. Why is that? Why is there not a topic in school for finances? The number one thing that's probably going to control your quality of life. You learn about algebra, right? I learned about the physics of a tennis ball being thrown. But I did not learn at all how to budget, how to save up, how to spend less than I earn. Nobody taught me any of that. Why not? Because if I learn that shit, I'll get out of the rat race. That's why not. Very simple. So once you notice this, you get this thing where you spend all your money. You never get ahead long enough to venture out on your own. You're always weighed down by debt and bills and payments, most of which are optional. You signed up to that car lease you got the mortgage on the house you're the one that just has to have a latte every morning you're the one that needs that netflix subscription you're the one that had to fucking buy the whatever right you just felt this compulsion you never thought fuck there's a lot of advertising really influencing my brain or anything like that you're just like i've got to spend all my money all my mates are i've got to buy a hundred dollars worth of alcohol every weekend I remember the first, one of the first things I did when I started my own business is I went over my finances and I wanted to see like where all my money was going. Actually, this was after I started my business and I realized I was doing really bad financially. This was the beginning, can you believe this, beginning of my financial education happened after I started a business. Ludicrous, but a common, common experience. And I realized one of my biggest expenses was Subway sandwiches. I would have never imagined, I would have thought it would be petrol or rent. Those were big, but... Subway sandwiches, one of my biggest expenses. I was ruining my business with sandwiches. And this is so common. People don't look at their budgets. They don't go, where's my money going? Where's my optional spending? And have a look at just how much is spent on subscriptions and clothing. Unnecessary petrol costs and so on and so forth. Alcohol. Food you don't need. When you look at it, it'll blow your mind. Like, holy shit, I could fucking retire if I invested this money. Or I could at least you know, take some time off to find a better job. But we have these limiting beliefs that are the new slavery chains. One of those is that employment is safer than owning a business. Do you believe that? Most employees do. The reason most employees don't even entertain the idea of starting their own thing is that they believe that they're currently engaged in the safer option. Why do you believe that? a simple question not hypothetical why do you believe that why do you think it's safer to be an employee than to run your own business you've heard all the things all the rumors right oh 90 of businesses run straight into the fucking ground there's some truth to that probably because and the number one reason is because they don't manage their finances properly it's not that the business wasn't good it was that the financial management was bad But let's say you're good at managing your finances or you learn to be good at it. I've got a course on managing your finances that you can get done within a month and after that you'll be able to manage them safely. So why would you still be an employee after that? Because that changes all the statistics of likelihood of success. You can't be made redundant when you own your own business. You can't be fired when you own your own business. Those risks don't exist as an entrepreneur. And if you can manage your finances, if you know how to always be profitable, which is just mathematics, it doesn't actually matter how much you're selling down to a certain level. It more matters how much you spend, which is your choice. Why do you think employment is safer? Because you think the company cares about you, right? You think that if times are tough for the company, it will protect its employees. Or you work for some company, you think the times will never be tough. Amazon or something, you know. Telecom company how many businesses around are thousands of years old or hundreds of years old? almost none right in fact, the ones who are are small boutique businesses, entrepreneurships. All businesses come crashing to an end eventually. What happens to you when you're on that ship? How do you know when you're on that ship? Do you keep track of your company's stocks? because if they crash, the company dies. Do you know how well they're doing? Do you even know if you've got a public company? If you get someone who is unconscientious at the top, if you get a CEO or a board of directors who lack ethics or ability, the company will go into the ground. Do you know the ethics and ability of the people at the top? Have you had them psychologically analyzed? Yeah, some places like Coke that have been around for a long time, and that's true. But if you look at the individual workplaces in the coke industry. How safe are each of them? I remember mean, there was that Coke lemon flavour that came out. That kind of died. What happened to the employees that were all about Coke lemon, I wonder? Were they replaced? Did they get to move around the company? Or were they just cut? But yeah, there are some places that have last a long time, but only some. Most of you aren't working for one of them. And even if you are, their day is due. You don't know when they're gonna crash. Look at Subway Sandwiches. I mean, that looked like a mainstay. It hadn't been around a long time, but it looked like one of those franchises that just couldn't be broken. And then their main face guy turned out to be a pedophile. That almost crushed them, right? It gave you a sense of the fragility of the company. Like, they survived that, but not well, right? Even I remember Gillette, the uh, shaving firm, whatever fuck company, you know, they did that ridiculous woke ad about masculinity. (laughs) And they had a big dip in sales after that. Some people must have got cut. Some people must have lost their jobs after that one. And probably not the people who did the ad. Um, hold on, come back to the comments. Appreciate it when you comment. How much were you paying out in those Subway sandwiches? I can't remember the exact amount, but it was hundreds per month. Because I didn't add it up very well. I'd always got the sandwich, and I'd got some cookies, and then a Coke. You know, Coke again. And it would kind of come to near 20 bucks at a time. And I'd do that three or four times a week. And I couldn't see how much that costs. Because I'm like, I'm just getting lunch. I've got to get lunch, right? There's a necessary payment. Not realizing that I'm paying about four times as much as I need to for a meal. If I was to get the same sort of meal based on groceries that I cook myself, it would be closer to five bucks probably. So yeah, you do that three or four days a week for a month. It's hundreds of dollars. Hundreds of dollars I did not have. You know, I was living like hand-to-mouth, I was break-even in my company, so that's the equivalent of a part-time worker that I was paying in sandwiches, ridiculous, and I don't even want to think about what I paid in cigarettes and alcohol prior to that, you know, I've quit both, but uh, I I, I did once a calculation that I've spent over 50 grand in cigarettes in my life, 50 grand, (laughs) I started my business with 5 grand, what I could have done with 50, you know, (laughs) Jesus, what I could have done with 50. Alcohol, I think, is the number one expense for a lot of people. They're saying, yeah, I don't mind a few beers and wines on the weekend. Add it up. Add it up and you got yourself your own business capital sitting there. you just poison that you're putting into your body because you can't handle your job. Right. So, one of the limiting beliefs, employment is safer than business owning. Almost no proof that that's true. Another limiting belief, you've got to wait till the end until you retire. Why? Why do we think that? What a ridiculous thing to think. And not true. You know, Tim Ferriss talks about in 4-Hour four, four week his concept of the new rich. People who take small retirements every other year. They take like four months off. That's possible. That's a way of living. And I think one of the number one limiting beliefs that keeps us in this little conspiracy is everyone else is doing it. I can't think of... A belief system that's hurt the individual more than to look around and go, what's everyone else doing? That must be the right thing to do. When I have started actually getting proper education in business after I got started from people who were doing well in my industry, you know, one of the first things I learned is if everyone else is doing it, go the other direction. Because the way everyone does it is the least effective. That's a, like a human trait and it's especially prevalent in business. Ironically, a lot of the big businesses you see, the telecoms, the Amazons, the various big subscription businesses and car companies and stuff, they're actually quite inefficient. They do things in a way that is kind of gluttonous. They waste a lot of money and time, but because they're so profitable, they don't have to stop long enough to like cut the fat. So quite often when people start a business, they'll copy those big companies without realizing those big companies are actually kind of doing it wrong. But they're just surviving on their name and their legacy and their profits. And so, a small business that's surviving well is doing it right. One that has no shareholders, one that has no government support, one that's just one person bootstrapped doing it on their own. If that's working, they must be doing it right. Capitalism ensures that they must be doing it right. Because if they're doing it wrong, they suffer, they crash. Everyone else is doing it, is usually, especially in business, but employment as well. You look around, you're like all oh, my friends are employees. Everybody has a nine-to-five job. My parents went on and on about how you just got to have the ship job for like 40 years. And then retire when you're an old decrepit bastard. Since when have people as a big group been smart? When when has that been the case? Individuals can be smart. And sometimes small groups can be smart. But when have massive groups been smart? Think of it. Give an example. Of when a massive group all doing the same thing has been more efficient than small groups or individuals. I can't think of examples. Generally when I look at the masses, they're stupid. Even when I'm one of them. The breakthroughs, the outliers on the graph, the people who do things better than everyone else, are never part of a huge group. By definition, they can't be. Those people that shoot up. There aren't many Elon Musks. There aren't many Richard Bransons, right? Right. There aren't many highly successful people. There's a huge mass of quite unsuccessful people. And you look around at all of them and go, I better do what they're doing? That doesn't make sense. But it's a human bias. We look around. Social proof. If everyone else is doing it, it gives it validity. This is how you get the cult to drink the poison. You make sure that everyone around them's doing it. Right? Doesn't mean it's a good thing to do. Yeah make a point there uh, World War II, big masses doing the right thing. Well, actually, if you think about big mass, think of the German public. They all supported the Nazi Party. like nearly all of them supported the Nazi Party, and nearly all of the Nazi army did what they were told. That's big masses. And it was actually very slow for the rest of the world to react. They had to come to an extreme crisis and almost let Germany win before they fought back. That's how big masses think. Whereas little individuals are like, fuck, we better get onto this Hitler dude, he's talking some shit. There was a long lag time between reactions. So actually, I think World War II is a great example of the masses being slower to act than individuals. And taking a long time to get to the right thing. And even then, you know, they use the atomic bomb to like solve the problem. And I'm not sure that's the greatest available solution, but I'm not a war expert. The dreams get crushed pretty early, you know, when you're a kid, you're like, I want to be an astronaut and everyone laughs about it, but why not? Why, why not be a fucking astronaut? Someone's got to do it. You just need to be good at maths and physically fit and wanting to do it. But by the time you're 13, you're not talking about being an astronaut anymore or a fireman or something cool or a rock star. In fact, these days, I, you know, I, I get a lot of teenagers messaging me and stuff and, and they're anxious about their careers while they're still teenagers. I'm like, dude, you're not even going to know who you are until you're 30, right? Your career doesn't fucking matter at all now. And yet you're already anxious about it. What happened to your dreams? Who's going to be the dancers? Who's going to be the rock stars? Who's going to be the astronauts? Somebody's got to do it. If all the dreams are crushed, we're not going to have anyone available. Except for the outliers, the people who aren't in the mass. I've got a bunch of other points I just want to throw in there. Tax. Tax is one of the weirdest things on earth, isn't it? Like necessary, but bizarre. Obviously, if we want to function as a society, we need some sort of kitty for things like roads and hospitals that no one person is available. If we privatize that stuff, it usually creates such a skew that socially the poor are left you know, in the lurch. So you kind of need this stuff, some sort of socialism type thing needs to happen there so that people don't get left to die, you know, ruthlessly. But you notice that tax is taken. Chris Rock the comedian said that. You know you get the check money gone. Tax is a jack. It's stolen from you. It's not even a conscious giving. I mean you sign a contract and you're born into laws that you had no involvement in creating around paying tax but you don't even get to go okay let me touch the money first and then I'll give it to you and I'll give it to you when I don't need it. Like I'll give it to you once i've covered my payments you don't get that you're like no no we're going to take it before you even see it you're not even going to see it one of the most ridiculous things to ever happen in my career was when i worked for the government and i got taxed i'm like i'm being paid with taxpayer money and getting taxed why not just pay me less this doesn't make any sense. what a ridiculous bureaucratic waste of resources to tax me right there are whole teams of people employed to manage my taxes. When I'm being paid with tax money. Ridiculous. But you have no conscious involvement in calculating it, deciding it. You know, accountants only work with entrepreneurs, don't they? Very few employees have accountants. Only those with investments and stuff and, and high salaries they need managed. But most employees don't need an accountant. Why not? Because their money's managed for them. By the company and by the government. He's like, you know what? We got this. Don't even look at it. Just accept the amount we give you and don't even think about it. Is that not dangerous? Because I can tell you as an, as an entrepreneur, I have to manage all my own money now. I decide when I pay my taxes. I like to pay them early so that I can't fuck that up. Having to have oversight of all my money and having accountant involved means I have to make sure that I'm not paying too much tax. I never thought of that as an employee. I never went, am I paying too much tax? It wasn't until I left the government that I thought, why am I getting paid with government taxpayer money and getting taxed? It's a ridiculous thing. I didn't even think of that. Why didn't I think of that? Why don't you get to control your own money? What's the purpose of not letting you get your hands on it? Well, it makes sense because you're uneducated. You can't be trusted with it. So, yeah, think about that. And you think, well, taxes, you know... It's money spent, it's needed, roads and hospitals. Well, I used to work for a government agency that was paid for by tax money. And once a month, I got flown to another city for an all-day meeting that could have easily been an email, and then flown home again. Or I'd stay at a hotel the night before and then get flown home. There'd be taxis to and from the airport. And the whole cost would be like a grant, right? It'd be like $1,000 on top of my salary to get me to this meeting. We once did a little exercise, uh, our team, and we figured out that the meetings we had cost the taxpayer about a hundred grand a year. That's two prison employees, by the way, for us to have meetings that we didn't need to have. That's how your taxpayer money gets spent. Because the funny, the ironic thing is when you move from private to public, when you go from you know, corporations to government is the spending just gets gluttonous because in a corporation you can't fucking waste money or the business goes under. But in government, you can spend as much as you've got. They they spend whatever's on their plate. They don't want excess money left in the bank because then they'll just get voted out and the next guys will get it. Right? So they find a way to get rid of it all. We actually would have meetings and, you know, when I got to executive level, we'd have meetings where we were like, there's money left over in the budget, how do we get rid of it To justify getting that same amount next time. We actually had meetings. How to waste taxpayer money. And there are meetings going on like that. All over the world as I speak. Right now. People are meeting to figure out. How to waste the money you pay in taxes. So that you're convinced you have to keep paying that same amount. Absolute truth. And yet you don't even get to touch your tax money. You don't get a say in what's done with it. You can't touch tax law as to how much you're allowed to or should spend. People who keep their money in offshore accounts and all those big business guys you hear about who are vilified for like dodging taxes. What if they're the smart ones who realize that that money's being wasted? That it's not being utilized well and they don't want their money wasted. They want to keep it. The thing is, I keep calling this a conspiracy theory. But conspiracies usually require people at the top who know this is going on and they're like, hey, suckers, gotcha, right? Like, that's the basic conspiracy theory, is that it's all being controlled by this elite group who's fucking everybody over. But the problem is, whether the top of government or the top of business, so, like, politicians or billionaires, it seems to me that nobody's in on it. You know, there's research coming out now that's showing that the people at the top 1% financially actually work the longest hours they work 90 hour weeks or something on average ridiculous all the stockbrokers and the billionaires and everybody you're jealous of can't fucking stop working they get like anxiety about money because they got so much of it they get sort of compelled to keep trying to make more they can't ever like relax about it i mean look at elon musk and jeff bezos imagine the fucking hours they're putting into trying to get into space they don't need to do that they could chill but they can't they can't turn it off and politicians, I mean, like I said, government employees pay taxes as well. They're part of the system. They were brought up with it. Whoever might have originally come up with the conspiracy, maybe the Henry Fords, the capitalists who are like, fuck, these communists are going to take over. We better, like, counteract and do some countermeasures. They're all dead and gone now. And now everybody else is indoctrinated. Unfortunately, there's no one at the top going, huh, that's a big scam. If there was, then maybe there might be a chance one day that they go, all right, time to stop this, let's turn it off. But that's not the case. This is going to keep perpetuating because everybody believes it. I think of it kind of like the Catholic Church. The Pope and the Archbishops are the most devout. They're not up there like, this God thing's bullshit, but fuck, it's profitable. They believe it. They're praying every night, right? There's nobody at the top who's like, "Uh, this is crap. And that's, I think, the biggest risk here is This isn't really a conspiracy theory. It's more like the matrix. We're all plugged in. Nobody's controlling it. No human. One of the things my clients point out is automatic payments. We love that these days, don't we? Thanks to technology and not having to go into the bank anymore. And our money just goes out. Doesn't it? That money, we... I mean, the amount of people who have subscriptions to gyms they don't go to, to Netflixes that they don't watch, uh, shopping baskets that they don't need. You know, people just, money just pours out, leaks out of their bucket. So they have to keep going back to work. Lottery, gambling, alcohol use. Why is this all not only accepted by most governments, but heavily taxed? So not only is it promoted, but very expensive, and the money goes back to the government. Because you spend your free time wasting as much money as possible and numbing yourself emotionally. You never stop to think and feel and go, what the fuck's going on here? You're just like, oh, thank God, Friday night, fuck, and here we go, throw my money away and I'll have to go back on Monday. And you keep doing that until you're 65 and useless. I always wondered, why is alcohol legal and all the rest illegal? In most cases, with the exception of weed now in a few places, but... Alcohol's treated as something different to drugs, but it's just a drug, right? It's a drug you consume. We've made it, we've given it flavors and stuff like that, but that would happen with any drug if it was legal. If you made heroin legal in 20 years time, it will be a drink less than 20 years time. There used to be cocaine in Coca-Cola, right? Where do you think the fucking name comes from? Right? Any, any drug can be made into a nice consumable food or beverage, but only it's only been done with alcohol, which is a cleaning product, ethanol. Uh and all the others are these horrible things that you gotta smoke or inject or snort or whatever. You know, these these grungy things you gotta do. But I was like, why did they leave alcohol, you know? Like I know it was something to do with prohibition not working and it gave you know prohibition gave rise to organised crime, so they're like fuck we've got to stop this. it's too late now, we've still got the mafia. But, like right now, the prohibition of methamphetamine in New Zealand, for example, gives rise to gangs. You would cut 95% of profits in the criminal world if you made methamphetamine legal. And, statistically, it's a less dangerous drug than alcohol. That's accurate to say. Less people go to hospital because of methamphetamine than alcohol. But alcohol's legal. Why? Because the other drugs don't do the thing that alcohol does. Right? Weed relaxes you. Methamphetamine gives you artificial confidence and drive. You know, Alias D fucking opens your mind. But alcohol tranquilizes you. Right? I'm surprised they don't make ketamine legal. Maybe that'll be next. God, I used to love ketamine. I miss those days. <laughs> I'm clean now, but oh, I had some fun with drugs. Um, alcohol, it numbs you. And it tires you out. And I can't think of a more perfect drug to keep this system going. Have a couple of wines with dinner. Have an IPA with all your mates with your funny beards and your top knots. You know, go get on the shots with the boys. Whatever you do, just make sure it costs a lot and drains your energy. So you got to go back to work and you don't have time to think or work on a side project. Yeah, like, like my man Rick says, happy hour, right? Half price alcohol, oh it's only $9 for a beer, it's ridiculous. I remember I used to come home from a night in the town, you know, I'd wake up the next day, and occasionally I'd have the courage to look at my bank account, and I'd, I remember one night I did a $400 round, I can't imagine what I bought, I must have bought shots for like a whole table of people or something, 400 bucks, and a single round, like at the time that was almost my entire week's pay, I was on very low wages back then. And I just blew it all on alcohol. I remember I used to work a job where I could barely afford the gas needed to get to the job. What a system. How do you get out of that? Well, you don't have enough time to think of how to get out. There's many ways out of that. But you need time to think. You need to, time to talk to mentors. You need time to study things that they didn't teach you in school. You need lots of hours available to become the person who can escape that slavery. Just like the slaves of old. The main thing the slaves did not have, that the slave owners did have, education. The slaves were never given enough time or resources to think. That's what the chains were really made of. See, most slaves were kind of content little cows. It wasn't like they had to constantly fucking manage all the slaves. Like, oh god, they're running away every second. Runaways were rare in slavery. Very few had to wear chains. Very few needed a whip. It was the mindlessness that kept them there. And what I'm saying, I guess, today is that that hasn't finished. You're still mindless. If you don't have enough time to think of, how do I make enough money to survive for me and my family by only working two hours a day, then you don't have enough time to think. Because I guarantee you there are lots of answers to that question. And you don't need a particular genius or set of skills to be able to do it. I know some very dumb guys running successful businesses that's the simplest way i can put it the only thing they know is maths when it comes to finances they know how to manage a spreadsheet with a budget on it to make sure the numbers always end up in the red right that's it or the black which one's the good one i can't remember so i should know this right in the black i think it's the black right that's it all you need to do is know how to manage the numbers and money and you can manage a business right a year's worth of training, probably. And I don't mean full-time, but you know, but a year's worth of training courses with a mentor or a coach, and you'll have everything you need to know to run a business. You don't need to go to university. You don't need a big loan. That's another way that they spend your money. You know, you need these qualifications that are now worthless. <laughs> Most of my successful entrepreneur friends are qualified in exactly jack shit. Jack shit. They don't even have an MBA. You don't need it. You don't need it. University is ridiculous. The information there is good but you don't have to go to university to learn it and you don't need a qualification to get a good career. You do if you want to be an employee but if you want to be an entrepreneur the information you might need but you don't need the qualification you don't need to buy that information most of it's free on YouTube. Here's the great tragedy almost everyone could be a consultant or a freelancer or a contractor not an employee you could even do the exact same work you're doing right now but you wouldn't be beholden to a company, you'd be your own boss, just you are choosing to work with that company for this job. You could do it like that, which many, many people around the world do. You could even have small groups, you know, teams of three to five, but they'd be equals and there'd be no beholdenness to a a company, they're just working together because they all enjoy the work, you know, trades are often like this, you know, I used to work uh, as a landscaper, and it was me, my brother, and our technically our boss. But we're like a little trio, right? We just went and did these jobs together, and everyone was kind of, not equals, I was getting paid fuck all. But, like, that's possible, that's set up. But ultimately, anybody could just be an individual in charge of their own destiny without being an employee. Employment is an unnecessary legal burden that disables people and keeps them afraid. It's like saying you need to be married to stay in a relationship. No, you don't. Not at all. You can actually be single and kind of play the field and that's just fine as well. So I want want to finish by asking you some questions. The main question is, even if you're going to keep doing your current job, what would it look like as self-employment? What's the self-employed version of what you do? Sometimes it's very obvious. Let's say you work for a cleaning company. You just are the cleaning company yourself. You know, we've got a cleaner uh, in our building And she was getting treated like shit by her employer, and so she just came to us and said, "Look, if I just came and did this myself, would you pay me?" We're like, "Yeah, fuck your employer. She charges double anyway." So now she quit. So now she just does all the same cleaning jobs she was doing because that she's the one that they wanted. They don't want the company, some bitch they've never heard of. They want this cleaner who they trust and rely on. She said "Well, if you pay me directly, I'll keep coming." They said, "Fine. I don't. I don't care who you work for as long as you come." So she just stole all those clients. And so many of you could do that. Whatever job you're in, you could just switch to it being self-employed and just keep going. Probably even keep the same clients, right? Because you're the one that actually services. This is not an ethical dilemma. You're not stealing the clients from the employer if the customers want you. They don't want the company. They want you, right? You're the one that provides the service. This is the, the big secret here is the company's getting paid, but you're the one that provides the service. Why aren't you the one getting paid? Now the company does provide something. There's nothing essentially wrong with being an employee if you're kind of conscious. If you're aware of what is going on. But I think it should be more like franchises. I think it should be more like uh, commissions. Like let's say a company finds the client for you and takes a commission for that. That's fine. But that commission should not be 80% of your wages. It could be a 10% finder's fee. right? Uh, one of my clients at the moment does sales, uh, sells wine. And, you know, in, in like a single day, he made three and a half grand for the company. But he only gets to keep a fraction of that. And all they did was give him the number to call for someone who might want some wine. A little bit of effort on his part, he could find those people himself. And he could source the wine himself. Or he could keep working for the company, but maybe recognize that they don't deserve the big cut for the amount of work that he's he's the one who sold the wine, which is really what matters. And he's just a great example of most employee situations where you're doing the real stuff that matters. You're the one providing the value and yet you're not the one getting paid. So what would your job look like as legal employment? What would your interests look like as something you're paid to do? And I think this is where we'll finish because this is the big question. And the, one of the biggest limiting beliefs that keep people in this 9-to-5 conspiracy is that what they enjoy doing, it cannot be made profitable. Either because it's too hard, or because they would stop enjoying it. Both of these are absolute fucking horseshit beliefs. Let's say your, your interest is music. I know a drummer who basically just films herself drumming on YouTube, and through sponsorships and advertising, makes six figures a year. So it can be done with music interests, right? I know a gamer... There's this whole community I didn't know about who play board games. Not just Dungeons and Dragons, but anything. Monopoly, fucking shit you've never heard of. And they're a very tight-knit, clicky community. They all know about each other and they play games together. And he was part of this. And he's also kind of creative. And he got together with an artist and he designed his own game. And he used Kickstarter to sell it. That was a long time ago. he's now a millionaire based on board games. He was working at McDonald's when he first started to design his first board game and all it is just a love of board games and a deep understanding of the community is a part of and the community carried him through now he's got these loyal followings every time he makes a new game it just boom sold out instantly right he's like a one-man crew just him an artist that is a consultant that he brings in freelancer for the job and then i don't know some chinese manufacturing company that puts the game together and sends it out right what if you're a Pokemon enthusiast? Right? Surely that's not profitable. Actually it really, really is. There are many examples. I know of one a guy who's a graphic artist and a Pokemon enthusiast, and he's been rendering like realistic looking Pokemon just out of interest. He makes these like 3D kind of Pokemon things that look like real animals. He gets paid through Patreon and YouTube advertising. Right, so he's got these supporters on Patreon, it's like a Kickstarter community and so he gets paid to draw Pokemon, that's a job, and I just saw just before I made this call, I was fucking around on uh, Instagram, and I was reminded of a restaurant I'd heard of many years ago, uh, Dick's Last Resort Restaurant, where the staff are mean to you, it's kind of like the theme of the restaurant, they come in, you know, you come in, they, they give you the finger, they tell you you're an asshole. They give you a hat that like makes fun of you. says some nasty insult on it. They get your food order wrong on purpose. They're constantly mean to you. So if you enjoy being an asshole, you could start a restaurant, right? I know of another guy who is like a public speaker, except he doesn't say anything. He just stares into people's eyes. He sells out fucking arenas and just sits on stage silently for an hour and gets paid Probably millions per year. He's got a team of like 10 people to run this thing. And all he does is look into people's eyes in a meaningful way. Right? The idea that what you're interested in can't make money or wouldn't be enjoyable is such complete bollocks. I can think of the most ridiculous things and they make money just because someone gave it a go. So the conspiracy, the fucking bullshit belief that you've got to go do something that you'd only do to get paid you don't enjoy it enough to do it for free and you got to do it with most of your waking hours and then you got to spend whatever money you earn so that you don't have enough time to think about doing something better with your life it's not the truth you don't have to do that if you don't have to do it then why are you doing it it's not safer it's not more enjoyable it's not the best way to live it's not the only option available to you. So why are you choosing it? It's like choosing to eat poison instead of healthy nutritious food. It doesn't make sense. And that's where I'm going to leave you. And Of course, if any of you want support, ideas, guidance, resources on how to make the switch from being a slave to being free, I can give you heaps of stuff for free, because this shit's not actually that complicated. I'll give you access to my financial freedom course, I will give you guidelines on how to figure out what to do for a job that you would love and how to make it a business, I'll give you step-by-step fucking templates on how to turn an artistic passion into something that makes money without losing love for it. The information isn't actually that complicated, you don't need to be a genius, I'm certainly not, right, I talk for a living because I like talking about philosophy and psychology and shit, I get paid to do that, right. If I can do that, you can do whatever it is you want to do. Garen fucking teed. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you another time. This is Brojo Online. Masculinity, confidence, and integrity.